Hello, friends, and welcome to the Everyday Truth Podcast with Kurt Skelly. We are here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. And we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. Right now, we're studying the book of Revelation in a series called The End is the Beginning. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. And welcome back, my friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. We are, Lord willing, going to finish Revelation chapter number 20 and to talk about the great white throne judgment of God. I'm sure that uh, those of you that have been uh, a Christian for some time, you've heard that term, the great white throne judgment of God. It's the final judgment. And we'll talk about what that is and and how that affects you and me uh, just here in a bit. I do want to, first of all, show you show you my coffee cup of the day. It is my pontoon captain coffee cup given to me by my good friends in Minnesota, the the land of, I think, the state, 10,000 lakes, something like that. Help me out there, Minnesotans. But uh, hey, what, what a designation. I am a pontoon captain. That sounds pretty uh, auspicious if you ask me. Um, and it's a big mug, so I like that. Uh, Revelation chapter 20 is a description of the 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ. Uh, We call it the millennial reign. Maybe that's a bad way to say it. It's not so much a description of it as it is just the chronology, that it begins after the second coming of Jesus. Uh, The Antichrist and the false prophet are cast into the lake of fire at the end of the tribulation. The millennial reign of Christ is ushered in. King Jesus rules from Jerusalem. Uh, Saints rule and reign with him, both New Testament saints and tribulation saints. Uh, There will be a number of people having survived the tribulation that will be brought into after the judgment of the nations will be brought into the millennium. So people will, their people will die. Uh, it, people will be born in uh, the millennial reign of Christ. Satan will have been put into the bottomless pit, sealed there for a thousand years, not to deceive the nations for this a period of time. It'll be a time of peace, a time of prosperity a time when the millennial temple will be the center of the world. Uh, People will come and visit Jerusalem on a yearly basis. I mean, for all intents and purposes, it seems like a time when how could one possibly not be a follower of Jesus? And yet what we find is that environment alone does not assure one's standing with God. And just because you put people in a perfect environment, i.e. the Garden of Eden, doesn't necessarily mean that the human heart is not bent upon pride, bent upon evil. And we're going to find that to be true. At the end of the millennium, when Satan is loosed for a season, there will be many, many people from all over the world that will follow him and converge together upon the capital of Jerusalem, only to be destroyed by fire from heaven at the last possible moment. And that, of course, will will usher in the ultimate demise of Satan as he is cast into the lake of fire uh, where the beast and the false prophet are. So we've talked about a bit about this over the past few episodes. Today, we're going to talk about the final judgment. At the beginning of the millennium, 
we talked about the first resurrection. Remember, the resurrection of the righteous that will not have the power of the second death has no sway over them. We've talked about this. But now what about all of those who have died and their bodies have been buried or lost at sea or cremated or whatever the case may be? Now, will they as well be resurrected in the sense of being brought before God for final judgment? And the answer is yes. They will stand before none other than Jesus Christ at the great white throne judgment. How do we know it's Jesus? Well, because the Bible tells us that Jesus sits upon the throne. And Jesus himself taught us in John chapter 5 that all judgment has been committed from the Father to the Son. And so it should be. It was the son that died for the sins of the world. It was the son that secured redemption's price. So it it is therefore the son who has been rejected by these that are standing before him and therefore the son that can can offer legitimate and just uh, judgment for the spurning of the grace of God. So that's what uh, the great white throne judgment is all about. Look at verse number 11. Uh, where the Bible says, and I saw John again giving us the chronology, then, and then I saw, and I saw. So all of chapter 19 and 20 represents a chronological flow. Verse number uh, 11, and I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, the heaven being the Uh, space and the stars and, and the universe. The earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. What a statement. So in this final judgment, the Bible teaches that even the earth itself and the created universe will cease to exist. They will go away. There will be no place for them. The Bible actually prophesied this in Daniel chapter 2. Remember the image, Nebuchadnezzar's image that uh, Daniel prophesied about and how it represented all the kingdoms of the world, the head and the thorax and the thighs and the feet and the, 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 the revived Roman Empire. We talked about this in our Daniel series. But remember then the Ancient of Days, the stone cut out without hands, that destroyed the the kingdoms of the world, and there was found no place for them. The same language is used in Daniel chapter 2. It's used here in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11. And then I think about that verse in 2 Peter, where the Bible talks about in verse 9, 2 Peter chapter 3, that the Lord is, is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But, verse 10, the day of the Lord, and the day of the Lord refers to this season of God's working, which began with the tribulation, is now culminating with the end of the millennium. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in in which the heaven shall pass away with a great noise. The earth also shall melt with fervent heat, So the Bible talks about the fact that this universe, this physical universe will be dissolved. And Peter actually gives us a practical application to that when he says, seeing then 
that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the earth shall melt with fervent heat? In other words, if every material thing is going to go away, and the only thing that's going to matter are the spiritual ideals and people who will live somewhere forever, then shouldn't our lives be focused upon the eternal souls of others? Shouldn't our lives be focused upon eternal things that will outlast this final day of destruction? Because the Bible says that the earth and the heaven flee away and there is found no place for them. So then where do people live in eternity? Well, God makes new heavens and a new earth. And we'll talk about that next chapter. So here, the great white throne judgment that takes place seems to take place as a reality where there is no other physical place, no place to hide, no place to run, no place to go, no other reality in the world than this place of judge, this courtroom of God, where all the people of all the ages are gathered and the unsaved are resurrected to receive their final judgment. Now, does that mean that people that die today uh, don't aren't judged? No. The Bible says it is appointed unto men once to die after this, the judgment. And when people die without Christ, they go to the realm of the dead. They go to Hades and they go to a part of Hades that we call hell. And yes, there is suffering. And we read about that in Luke chapter 16. But as I said in a previous podcast, that is just a holding place. Uh, people go there, but final judgment has not yet been rendered until they stand before Jesus. Now, as believers, we have already stood before Jesus a thousand and seven years before because we stood at the judgment seat of Christ, not to answer for our sins. Because when we come to God by faith, in Christ, our sins have been judged in the person of Jesus, but we answer for what we've done with our salvation, uh, the works that we've done, what have we done with what God has given us. And we don't lose our soul, but we can lose reward. We, we, we've talked about that in other podcasts. But here in Revelation chapter 20, this is the resurrection of the unsaved, the unjust, and they must stand before Jesus themselves. What an awful paralyzing day this will be for so many. Look at verse number 12. And I saw the dead, but what a multitude this must be. All the, all the unsaved dead from all of eternity. And I saw the dead, small and great. I saw people that in this life had nothing. I saw kings and leaders and presidents and dictators. I saw rich people and poor people. I saw famous people and obscure people, the small and the great. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, books, plural. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. So nobody will be able to argue that day. Every single thing that we have done, every motive, every thought, every nuance, everything is recorded and the books are open and there's no argument. God has all the evidence. It would take only one page to damn us 
And yet the books are full. It is an absolutely incontrovertible argument that the judge makes against us. And the reason why the books are opened is because people are judged according to their works. It appears that there are levels of judgment in the lake of fire. Now, how does that all work? You know, pain is pain, suffering is suffering, torment is torment. I'm not sure, uh, but I'm glad that I don't have to ever experience that because I'm on this side of the cross. Look at what it says in verse number 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. So no matter where a person died, no matter how a person died, no matter what the condition of their body was, whether it was eaten by sharks or cremated in some crematorium, it makes no difference. The Bible says that God will reassemble that DNA. God will reassemble that body. They will stand physically before God at the great white throne judgment to be judged according to their works. Everyone according to their works. Did you see that? In verse number, um, let me see. Verse number 13 again. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell were delivered up. The dead were in them, and they were judged every man. That's what I was looking for. They were judged every man according to their works. Time seems to stand still here. Can you imagine billions upon billions of people standing one by one? The books opened, judged according to their, and works are the true indicator of our faith. They're the true indicator of what we put our confidence in. What a judgment this will be. And the Bible says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. That's the permanent abode of those that have rejected Christ. This is the second death. This is the second death. We talk about Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. When it says the wages of sin is death, yes, death physically. That's why men die, because of sin. But also death spiritually. The second death is a time, a, the, the eternity of separation from God in an awful place called the lake of fire. Look at verse number 20, uh, verse number 15, rather, of chapter 20. And whosoever, so here's the, here's the sticking point, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I don't know that I could think of a more awful image than that. It would appear, because there's no heaven, there's no earth, there's no other place, that we, the righteous, that we, the saved, are there to witness this event in the grandstands, in the jury perhaps, but here we are. And to think about watching people that you have interacted with, with coworkers and neighbors and friends and loved ones. What, what a day. What, what a season. Uh, this is something that we don't like to think about. But the Bible is, is turning our head to this passage and, and saying this is something that we need to consider carefully. What, what is the deciding thing? 
The deciding thing is not any particular work that a person has done, but the deciding factor on being cast into the lake of fire is their name was not written in the book of life. Uh, they've rejected Christ. They've not put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and their works are an indicator of that. And so two ways to be saved. Either never sin and do all good works. Well, of course, we've all failed in that. Or trust the one that never did sin, who did every good work, who fulfilled the law that you could not fulfill, who took your place as a righteous substitute on the cross, who became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Uh, this is a disturbing passage, but it ought to make us run to Christ. And it ought to make us have a renewed passion to tell other people about the Christ whose grace can save them from this day. I hope that helps today. Hope you have a great day in the Lord. Tell someone about Jesus today. Get a pile of gospel tracts. Pass them out. Uh, let's do better. And let's ask God to help us always to live in the reality of the eternal. Hope that helps today. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.